listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. And that's why I want to deal with these three traps today, because these three traps... One of the things that happens is when people start getting lulled to sleep, when they start getting lulled to sleep spiritually, it's a problem. And one of the things that I'll show you in these, uh, uh, the three traps we're going to cover in just a moment is that if the, as you're getting lulled to sleep, you will see people falling into these traps as the devil is doing his best to lull the church to sleep with a little rockabye until their little eyes close and they fall fast asleep. These three traps, you'll fall into them. People will fall into them and you'll see it. You'll see it happening across the board. And so I want to cover these because they're so very important and let you see. And if you haven't taken a minute to share the broadcast, please do that because I'm ready to see a group of Christians wake up and say what God's called them to say, do what God's called them to do and have what God's called them to have and not be sitting around being thrown or around the room by an antichrist spirit because they will not stand up with boldness and strength and be counted for the things of God. Let's be counted. Let's be counted. It's like when you have back in the day when they used to ha- take a um, roll call in classrooms, you know, and your teacher would call out your name during roll. You know, you'd have you'd have to say here or present. So every person that's watching the broadcast, if that's you, and if you're ready for this to be your story, I just want you to type that in the comment section. Present, throw a hand up. Present, I'm here. Present, you're not going to push me into the corner. You're not going to sweep me under the rug. You're not going to push me into the shadows. Present, I'm here and I will be heard. I'm here and I will be heard. Put it in the comments. That's it. Present, present, I'm here, here and I will be heard, here, call your name out, Britt Lukens, present, Anna Martin, present, Joe Navari, present, Rebecca, present, Robert, present, Angel, present, Renee, present, Kayla, present, Jamie, present, Isaiah, present, we're here and we won't be quiet and we will not be swept under the rug, we'll not be pushed out into the darkness, who do you think you're talking to? We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I refuse to be bullied by an antichrist spirit that doesn't have the same power that I have on the inside of me. Who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? You think I'm some little punk that doesn't understand my rights and my my authority? Who do you think you're talking to? Who does the devil think he's addressing? He would get smacked in the mouth if he were a real person smacked in the mouth. Who do you think you're talking to? You think I'm hiding? Do you think we hide? Do you think we hide from evil spirits? Do you think we hide from an antichrist agenda? You think we hide from the devil? No, 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 no. If the devil was a person, he'd get smacked in the mouth so quick his head would spin. Who do you think you're talking to? And so you need to get that kind of boldness. You need to get gangster in the spirit. No question. You need to get gangster in the Holy Ghost and get that fire in your eyes and stare him down and stare an antichrist spirit down and ask the question, metaphorically, 
Who do you think you're talking to? Who do you think you're addressing? You need to get bold in your spirit and ready for a fight. The Bible says fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on. Faith is not an idea. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a fight. Hear what I'm saying. Faith is not an idea. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a fight. That's right. Get gangster in the Holy Ghost and understand you can't take me out. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. You can't, you can't silence me or shut me up in Jesus name. I am a child of God. I am a child of the King. (laughs) Someone told Britt today, you're being influenced by someone who's not in the spirit. You're being influenced by someone who's not. Who do you think you're talking to? Open up your Bible and read it. Open up your Bible and read it. I wish they could talk to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Elijah. I wish they could talk to Peter and Paul. I wish they could talk to Silas and Barnabas. You're being influenced by somebody who's not in the spirit. People are so foolish. They're so dumb that they're willing to get lulled to sleep until every right is taken from them, until everything is stripped out of their hands. And they'll be talking just like that on the train on the way to their camp. I was being influenced by somebody not in this world. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And so if you're still watching, present. I'm here in Jesus' name. I'm here in Jesus' mighty name. Who would say such a thing to you, Britt? Who would even dare to say such a thing to you? I know it was Carissa. Anyway, I want you to see this with me today. (laughs) I want you to see this with me. Uh, talking about um, these three traps. And it's important that you see them. Three traps that people begin to fall into as they're being lulled to sleep. Three traps that people are lulled into as they're rocking off to sleep. And so I want you to see it. Yeah, guilty. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And so I want to show you these one after another. And if any, if anything starts to falter on Facebook, you let me know. Number one, and this, this is something that needs to be said right now. Number one, Romans chapter 14, go there with me. Romans chapter 14. The first thing that starts to happen when, when you get, when you start getting lulled to sleep and you've got this uh, antichrist spirit breathing down your neck and trying to shut you up. They try to get you to begin to make decisions outside of faith. Make decisions. That's number one. If you're taking notes, number one, making decisions outside of faith. Making decisions outside of faith. That's number one. And so you need to understand that. Anytime, and then calling it wisdom, making decisions outside of faith and calling it wisdom. That could have been said for anybody in the Old and New Testament, anybody. That could have been said for anybody. Well, you know, don't pray in public, Daniel. They said if you pray in public, you know, you'll be executed for it. So, you know, you're not, you're not, um, here's the thing. You're not compromising your faith. 
if you just go into a private room and, and pray and shut the door and you're not compromising your faith if you just hide and pray you still love the lord you know you're not you're still just as much of a follower of god daniel if you just do and he said i'm not having it i'm going to the same place that i always went every other day before it was illegal to pray and i'm going to keep on praying well brother you know you think that's faith but really that's just presumption and you you know that's not wisdom for you to do that you they would have said the same thing to daniel mega church pastors would have said the same thing to Daniel. And I'm for pastors. I love pastors. I, pr- I have a great pastor. I have, and I have great pastor friends, and I pray for all of them. But there's many people, many people in America that have actually done things that are opposed to faith. Look at how many people applauded the arrest of Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. Look at how many people jumped on Facebook and started clapping their little hands and applauding the arrest of Dr. a great man of God who's standing for the faith. Look at how many quote-unquote Christian people applauded his arrest. And you think that they wouldn't have said the same thing to Daniel? Well, you know, he should have been thrown into the lion's den because he was breaking the law. He was just breaking the law. And, uh, you know, he should have just prayed to the king or just done it privately, but he should not have been out in public doing It's exactly what they would have said to Daniel. It's exactly what they would have said to him. Do you know what? The same same people that always love to talk about wisdom, the state has said the same things to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, you know, I know that you love the Lord and you follow after Jehovah, but, you know, in a time where it's a national order, you know, it's a national order that everybody stands in front of the statue. It's a na- national order that everybody bowed down to the statue. So, you know, because it's a national governmental order, you probably should have bowed. You know, it's probably just temporary. You know, that statue is not going to be up forever. So, you know, it's it's probably temporary. It would probably be- would have been better if you would have just bowed for a little bit to the statue. You know, that's wisdom. You know, you can continue to serve the Lord just, you know, They would have said the same thing. Well, you know, it's your life. You know, wisdom says, you know, continue to serve God because it's in your heart, really, isn't it? It's in your heart. Serving the Lord is in your heart. And so, you know, it it is best if you just let it remain in your heart. Amen. It's in your heart. And then, you know, in, in public, you don't have to get wild with it. Use wisdom. Just use wisdom. You know, that's the same stuff they would have said to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, don't be thrown in the fire over it. That's the problem. You've got a whole generation of Christians that aren't willing to be thrown into the fire for it. So what kind of faith do you have if, if, if you're not willing to be thrown into the fire for it? And nobody's, nobody's threatening to throw you into the fire. Maybe jail, maybe. But that's for the spiritual leaders, not the people, not the Christians there. Not the Christians. Nobody's willing to be thrown into the fire. Nobody's willing to be thrown into jail. You think about this. Very interesting thought. And it's one of the ways that you know that Jesus was actually raised from the dead, that it's a historical fact, let alone we have thousands of documents from antiquity that that actually uh, say that very thing with 500 witnesses standing there as Jesus showed his resurrected body to them. But after they saw his resurrected body and actually spent time with him, guess what? Every single one of those people were willing to die for that fact. All they had to do was say Jesus wasn't alive. 
All they had to do was say it was a hoax and it wasn't really true, that he wasn't really raised from the dead. We stole his body and hid it somewhere. That's all they had to do. But isn't it interesting to you that every one of those people were willing to die horrific deaths to stand on the fact Jesus is alive? They all were willing to. And see their families die and their children and their wives and themselves thrown to live, hungry animals, crucified, tortured, and killed for one fact, Jesus is alive. None of them back down from it. None of them. If it was a hoax, nobody dies for a hoax. Nobody dies for a hoax. Nobody says, you know what? I'm going to give my children's life and my life and my wife's life to be torturously taken from us uh, for a lie that Jesus is alive when all we really did was steal his body and hide it somewhere. Nobody does that. And it shows you, it shows you the boldness that they had to be willing to be thrown into the fire. You know what they could have said? Well, you know, um, you could just do it in your heart. You could really just serve him in your heart. It, just use wisdom. You don't have to say those things to the Romans and you don't have to say those things to the Jewish councils. Use wisdom. They, they could have said the same thing to any of those people. Any of those people could have said the same thing. Paul, Silas, Barnabas, John, any of them. Any of them. But they didn't because that's a stupid thing to say. You know, go to, Dan, go to David. David goes out to... Uh, <coughs> David goes out to fight Goliath. Well, use wisdom. You know, he is a giant. You know, he's he's extremely uh, uh, accomplished in battle, you know. Just use wisdom. You know, I wouldn't go out there. You're not. And, so, and guess who tried to say that to him? The king. The king tried to say those exact things. Well, who do you think you are to fight this guy? You know, he's a seasoned battle-hardened soldier and you're just a shepherd. And, you know, you really use wisdom, David, use wisdom. David's like, no, I'm not going to sit around and quote unquote use wisdom. I've got faith in my heart that's going to allow me to slay a giant. And that's the key. That's the key. Whether people believe in God or not. People like Lucky Girl on Periscope that's so foolish they don't even understand that it's not even about Christianity. It's about freedom as a whole, genius. It's not just about Christianity because when they start carting you off and the government has power to do whatever they want, it doesn't matter if you're a Pentecostal Christian, an, a, a Baptist Christian, a Presbyterian Christian, or an, uh, it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim, doesn't matter if you're a Hindu or a Buddhist. The moment that those rights are taken away from you, they're taken away from you. And it doesn't matter what you believe theologically, has no issue with what religion you are, but people uh, that are so brainwashed on social media, like Lucky Girl on Periscope, which just the screen name away by itself gives away what kind of a person it is, doesn't even understand that it has nothing to do. These issues don't even have anything to do with what your theology is. Has nothing to do with that. Has everything to do with the fact that freedoms are being taken away from people and they're not saying a thing. And instead of stepping up and saying things based on the word of God and with boldness, you know what they say? Well, just use wisdom, brother. Just use some wisdom. It's like last night I said, somebody got on and said, you know, when you uh, when you don't go to church on a Sunday because you have to stay home for a week, that's not a violation of, of Hebrews 10.25. Yeah, but the question is, as someone commented back to that person, the question is, what if you have to say, what if you have to stay home for eight weeks in a row? Is that a violation? What about 16 weeks in a row? What about 32 weeks in a row? When does it become a violation in your mind? What, 
The question is, how much government control of your Christianity is sufficient for you? How much are you willing to turn over to elected officials and say, yeah, you can tell us when to go to church. You can tell us when to stay home. No problem whatsoever. Read the First Amendment, genius. Read it. Lucky girl. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Free exercise. Free exercise. Free exercise. If I'm not free to exercise my religion, then you have violated the First Amendment, genius. People are so foolish that they don't even know what they're talking about. Like Lucky Girl, sitting around smoking a Marlboro on a tank top, spaghetti straps, with her little platform rubber high heels on, out on a back porch somewhere in Kentucky with her phone that she got from the government for voting for President Obama. I don't think you're so Grow a brain. Grow a brain and understand logically what's going on in America. If you think it has anything to do with only evangelical Christianity and it doesn't have everything to do with freedom and control, you don't understand the Bible and nor do you understand prophecy. You you just don't understand it. People are brainwashed, just absolute morons, absolute morons. So were you calling Lucky Girl on Periscope a moron? Yes, absolutely. That's what I'm calling Lucky Girl, a moron. Because if you think like that, you're a fool. You're an absolute fool. You know, and, and you know, there's people just like, I'm sure it's a her. I hope it's not a guy calling himself Lucky Girl. Maybe it is, filled with pride. But you have to understand something. It, it has nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with the fact that you believe in speaking in tongues. The, the government doesn't give a crap about speaking in tongues. Hey, Michael, thank you for sewing. The government doesn't give a crap if you believe about speaking in tongues or prophecy. They don't care. They don't care if you believe in the rapture or don't believe in the rapture. You don't. They don't care about that. They don't care if you believe in tithing and giving. Government doesn't care anything about that. What they care about is the ability to control what people are and aren't doing. That's the move. Go back and listen to de Blasio's comments from New York. Go back and listen to them. If you do not listen and obey my orders, let me let me rephrase what he actually should have said. If you don't listen to and obey my unconstitutional orders, then I will make sure that you, not only are you fined and possibly jailed, but you also will be permanently shut down. Permanently shut down. So what are people being lulled to do? Make decisions that are outside of faith. When you make decisions that are outside of faith, it is displeasing to God. Displeasing to God. Bible says in Romans chapter 14 and verse 23, anything that does not proceed from faith is a sin. No, that's not right, Tammy. You can call people fools. It's just a synonym. Moron is just a synonym of fool. Jesus did it. Paul did it. And somebody is well able to be called out when they're doing something foolish. 
So it has nothing to do with kindness. It has to do with doing what the, the Bible says to do and understanding the truth. You foolish Galatians, <laughs> Jesus to the Pharisees, you sons of the devil, you whitewashed sepulchers full of dead men's bones. Well, he's not very politically correct in my opinion. No, he's not. Because everything does not is not based around people's feelings. That's the problem in America, if you haven't noticed. Everything's based on people's feelings. It's not based on people's feelings. If it was based on people's feelings, then you should never, ever preach things from the pulpit that hurt people's feelings. Well, you know, I don't think you should say those kinds of things about homosexuality. I think it's a valid form of relationship. Oh, really? And so because you've got people's feelings that are hurt, you shouldn't preach the truth? Of course you should preach it, whether people are happy about it or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Kindness. <laughs> people don't know. Kindness. And meanwhile, with their kindness, they're being carted right off to their homes, taken right out of their churches, taken right out of their own personal religion by kindness. Well, we need to just kindly obey whatever the government tells us. <laughs> Give me a break. Anything that does not proceed from faith is sin, the Bible says. How can I back that up with another scripture? Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says that without faith... It is impossible to please God. That's the sixth verse of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he is or exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so bottom line, if you're starting to take actions outside of faith or that contradict faith, it's displeasing to God. And anything that's displeasing to God is a sin. Romans 14, 23 is a sin. I refuse to take actions that are displeasing to God and call it wisdom. It's just stupid. It's stupidity, straight up stupidity. Well, I think we should just, you know, go along with it. It's not going to be forever. Oh, really? So how long is fine for you? How long's fine for you? Somebody answer the question. How long is fine for you? to be told what to do in your own religion? How long is it going to be fine for you to have government leaders that are elected by us in America, by us? It's like someone wrote into my cousin the other day and said, we're supposed to obey our masters. Oh, really? Our masters. So how long are you going to... So first of all, you're going to view uh, senators, governors, mayors, representatives... Rep uh, uh, as masters. Oh, we should just obey our masters. That's what you think. That's what you've been brainwashed to believe, that there are masters. First of all, the president's not even your master. Christ is the master of your life. People don't get that about Christianity. Well, you know, I'll, I'll practice Christianity. I just don't want to make any waves within my... You know, there has to come a time where you start to realize what the Bible teaches in, in, in uh, Acts chapter 5 and verse 29, when they were reprimand, re reprimanded by the council for doing something they were, that they were actually commanded not to do. And they, they, the, the apostles actually stood up and said, we must obey God rather than men. Oh, I, I don't know if you should say something. We must obey God rather than men. 
And in, in America is the easiest country to do that that there is because of the fact we have the Constitution. And people are so ready to take actions outside of faith. They don't care. They're ready to take actions outside of faith. And the Bible says that when you do, it's displeasing unto God. Displeasing unto God. And that's, that's the key. That's the key. And so, no, I'm not going to do a broadcast on that right now, Tammy. Study it for yourself. Jesus did it. Paul did it. Study it for yourself and get the answer. Use Google if you have to. I'm dealing with this. Stay focused. Why is it so hard for people to stay focused on what's actually going on? Harness your mind and focus it on what's being taught and said right now. Don't go on a rabbit trail because you got offended about something or you don't understand something. Stay focused and learn what the Bible actually teaches. That number, the one, number one trap that's being seen all over America is that people are making decisions outside of faith that are displeasing to God and calling it wisdom. It's not wisdom, it's foolish. It's foolish. Anytime you put the instructions and authority of men over the instructions and authority of God, you are a fool. If you're a Christian, absolute fool. And if you're not a Christian, the Bible says that anybody that says in their heart there is no God, they're fools. They're fools. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 that there's enough evidence of God in creation itself that people can't say there is no God. That, that, that's not the fact that they never heard the gospel is not enough evidence for them to say, well, I just didn't know what was going on. I didn't know there was a God. Nobody preached the gospel to me. He said, there's enough evidence in creation that no one can say there is no God. No one. So number one, the number one trap, people making decisions outside of faith and calling it wisdom. Don't do that. Do what the Bible says to do. Do what the Bible says to do and live that way. And God will reward you for living that way. He'll reward you. Number two, the second thing that people do that's a subtle trap, the reason I said that these are subtle traps is because they're not glaringly obvious in your face. And that's not how the devil works anyway. He doesn't do things that are glaringly obvious or you would know it wasn't God, you'd know it was him and you wouldn't do it. And so he does these things subtly. It's a slippery slope. You know, it's like somebody, somebody re retweet. Let me read you this because some genius who can't even think for himself wrote to me yesterday. Listen to this. Uh, Dr. James White wrote this. Keep something in mind, my friends. The state does not care to make distinctions based upon theology. Never has. You can be biblical and careful or you can be, and he, this guy is a reformed um, He's not a Baptist, but he may be Presbyterian. But he, he says, uh, obviously, this, this guy, this theologian, would not agree with anything Dr. Rodney Howard Brown teaches or says. You know, this guy's completely Calvinist, cessationist, reformed. You know, so he, he's completely against anything Dr. Rodney would ever do. But he tweeted this in, in the wake of that. He said, keep in mind, my friends, the state does not care to make distinctions based upon theology and never has. You can be biblical and careful, or you can be like Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. They don't care. 
Um, and then this guy replies, this genius of a guy who has no logical mind replies on Twitter, or you could obey the law and not get in this kind of trouble to begin with. Okay. You genius. Yeah, that's a great position to take. Let the government have all control of religion and just fall in line and do whatever they say and don't get in trouble. <laughs> I, and I, I replied to him because he said, or, or you could just obey the law, not get in this kind of trouble to begin with. Yeah. And then I replied, tell that to the Chinese church. Tell it to the Chinese church. What are you going to tell them? Well, you know, you shouldn't um, be Christians, you know, because it's against the law to be a Christian. Uh, and so you should just... You should just obey whatever the whatever the government says you should do as a whatever religion that they approve. Just just be a part of whatever whatever religion that the government says should be the nationwide religion. That's what you should do. You don't want to make waves in the government. <laughs> and then he writes to me, "Oh yes, those two things are exactly the same." Oh yeah, you don't think they're the same? So I replied to him, "Yeah, principally they are the same." So try to have an imagination and do a bit of extrapolation for yourself because it has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. They don't just, in a free country like this, they don't just come in and completely outlaw religion. They would never do that. There'd be such an uproar. What do they do? They put you in the water and then they slowly heat the water up. Slowly, slowly, slowly until the water's boiling and you're dead and you didn't even know it happened because slowly, little by little, little by little, little by little, they took your freedoms away. Oh yes. Now that those two things are very much the same Chinese church and Americans going through coronavirus. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. My cousin made a great point last night, made a phenomenal point uh, regarding the uh, federal income tax which was only supposed to be temporary also until all the debts from World War II were paid off. And it was 4%. It'll never rise above 4%, they said. It'll only be temporary until the debts are paid off, they said. And here we are almost 100 years after World War II came to an end in 1946 and we're still paying federal income tax. And guess what? It's not 4%. It's not 4%. So don't tell me, well, it's only temporary. Well, what if, what do you do if they continue to extend it? And then it's not temporary anymore. What, you know, I'm, if you think those things can't happen, it's called precedent. Once precedent is set, precedent, precedent, ridiculous. And so number one, making decisions outside of faith and calling it wisdom. Number two, this is just as important, is Go to Exodus 20, allowing other gods in your life. Now, I want you to hear this because this is important. You say, well, I don't have any gods in my life. I don't have, I don't have any statues or monuments or gods, and I don't serve false gods. Yeah, but I want you to hear this phrase that I'm going to read to you right now. Listen to this. Listen to this. Whatever dominates you or is prioritized above God in your life has become your God. Whatever dominates you or is prioritized above God in your life has become your God. And people don't think that's the case. Let me tell you something. Sports have become a God to people. Do you know, when you, when you look at the word of God and see what it commands us to do as believers, 
You know, we're commanded to be faithful to the house of God. We're commanded. You know, we're commanded to, to attend church. I don't think even people know that, but read Hebrews chapter 10. We're commanded to assemble together. That's the other thing that made me laugh is people are like, well, we should just stay in our homes like they did in the early church. They didn't stay in their homes in the early church. They all gathered in a home. <laughs> people are so ridiculous. Even when Jesus was on, even when Jesus was on the earth, what happened when the paralyzed man needed a miracle? His friends brought him to the home where Jesus was, and it was so packed full of people they couldn't get in, so they had to climb on the roof and dig a hole and let him down through the roof. They didn't all stay in their homes. Like, what do you think they did? They had like one or two believers sitting on a couch doing like a little Bible study with a pencil. People are so ridiculous. They didn't stay in their homes. They had a ton of believers coming into a home and having church. Let me ask you a question. Where do you think all 3,000 of the converts from the day of Pentecost, which home do you think they gathered in? Even the 120 believers that were waiting on the Holy Spirit had to go into an upper room that was big enough for all of them to fit in. Well, let's just stay in our homes like they did in the early church. They didn't stay in their homes. They had tons of believers coming to a home. I don't know why that's hard for people to understand. Tons of people coming to a home. It wasn't social distancing in the early church. Far from it. Far from it. Stupid. Listen to Exodus 20 and verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. None. <laughs> I could get into that. I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take the time. Maybe tomorrow I'll talk. I'll talk about that argument. We are the church. We are the church. I, I will deal with that. I will deal with the original language of what they say. Well, the word in the original Greek doesn't mean a building. Well, duh, duh. It doesn't mean a real, an actual building. Everyone knows that, but it didn't just mean some, somebody that believed in Jesus either. It didn't, it didn't just mean that. And I'll deal with that maybe in another broadcast because people do need to hear it. No other gods. Anytime you start to put something or someone or some thought above and beyond God himself, it's become a God to you. Anything, anytime it's prioritized in your life or dominates your actions above what you do for God, it has become a God above God. So if you can't go to church because your kid has a whole season full of travel baseball, and you don't want them to miss out on the Sunday baseball games because you've got to take your kid to every travel baseball thing that's going on, you're not just making your, listen to me, you're not just teaching your child travel baseball is more important than church, but you are also saying that I have put now doing this thing in a priority level above doing what God says. Think about that. You're making the distinction. Doing this thing is more important than doing what God says. Let me read you something that I read yesterday. And it's important that you hear it. First Samuel chapter 2. Turn there with me. 
I mean, these tweets are blowing me up. I, I can't believe it. I mean, people just keep blowing up my Twitter account with the dumbest thoughts. It's like nobody has the ability to think logically anymore. I, I, I don't know what ha- what what's happened to people. I don't know what's happened to people's minds. They, they've like lost the ability to just like think to what, like allow your thought process to go out to the nth degree of where a path ends, where a logical path ends. People, why, do, why do people not have the ability to do that? I, I, it's like they've been, public school systems have destroyed people's ability to think for themselves. I'm, I'm serious about that. The public school system, common core, has destroyed people's ability to think for themselves. Blows my mind. Listen to this. First uh, Samuel, where I had you turn, chapter 2 and verse 30. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go on, should go in and out before me forever. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. Or one translation says, those who think lightly, I will despise those who think lightly of me. I will despise those. So when you begin to think lightly of God, when you begin to think lightly of God, it doesn't say it doesn't say you have to reject him. It said just like think lightly of him. Think about that. It's not saying you have to become an atheist or that you have to be somebody that rejects theology and rejects the belief in God or rejects the Bible. It doesn't say that. It just says you have to be someone who lightly esteems him. The things lightly of the things of God. Huh? Well, you know, we'll get to church when we get an opportunity to get to church. You know, we went last week. Do we have to go every single week? People that think like that. You know, I want my kids to be able to do these travel baseball schedules, you know, and go to these games and blah, 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 blah. Oh, can't we just do? And they're thinking lightly, thinking lightly of the things of God and the commands of God and their relationship with God. And you wonder, well, why do you think it is? that kids grow up and leave church and don't come back ever again. Well, first of all, they're probably going to a church that's got no power. And second of all, they were raised in houses with parents that did not value the things of God, that did not enforce the things of God. And as a result, their kids don't value the things of God and their kids don't enforce the things of God. It's learned behavior. You teach your kids what's important by your actions, by what you do. My kids will know what's important because of what I do. I sat them down. We had a service. I literally pulled out communion. I preached to my kids, preached to my family, laid hands on them. I mean, seriously, they'll know what we think is important and what we don't think is important. They will know by what we do. And the Bible says you're not to have any other gods before him. Anything that dominates you, anything that you prioritize above God becomes your God. Travel baseball is some people's gods. Seriously, going to the going to the lake and getting on the jet skis on Sunday instead of going to church has become people's gods. Well, it's the summer. You know, we don't really attend church so much in the summer. We come back when school's back in, but we take the summer to be with family. Oh, do you? You take the summer to be with family, do you? You leave God behind? How's that working out for you? When your kids don't serve him anymore at the age of 18, because you taught him, we take the summer off, we go down to the lake with the jet skis, and we make it family time. Good luck having a family without God in it. 
Good luck having a family without the power of Christ in it. Well, you know, we like to focus on family time and go down to the river. Good for you. Hope those jet skis are a comfort to you when your kids don't serve the Lord anymore. And people that lightly esteem God, the Bible says they will be despised. Those that lightly esteem God will be despised. Bottom line. And so it's important. It's important that we hear this, that God has to be first in all things. He has to be first in our life. He's not a part-time hobby. He's my life. I love him. I want to talk to him daily. I want him to talk to me daily. I want to read what he said. I want to hear his voice. I want his spirit. I want his spirit to completely quicken me on a daily basis. I want to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost as often as I can. As often as I can. He's he's number one to me. Number one to me. Anything that stands in his way will be destroyed. Will be destroyed by me. Because I refuse to let anything take the place of God in my life. It will not take the place of God. I will not let it take the place of God in my life. And neither will you. Your children will serve the Lord. Your children will value the things of God. Your children will be filled with the Holy Spirit at the earliest possible age. Your children will prosper. Your children will have a no compromise attitude. Your children will be successful. They'll be mighty in the land. Your children will be the head and not the tail. They will rise head and shoulders above the rest. They will be honored. That's why we confess with our kids every night. I go to Revelation 5, 12, and we confess every night with the kids. And it's our miracle word kids confession. I'm powerful. I am wealthy. I am wise. I am mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. I'm healthy. I'm thankful. I'm bold. I'm a leader. Every night before bed, all three of my children say it every night. You know why? We believe that confession matters and confession carries power. I'll not have my children saying, I'm not smart. I just don't understand. I don't know math. I don't, I, I refuse to have my children speaking from negative confession. I can't understand this. I can't do this. I, we don't say I can't do, I don't understand. I, no, I am powerful. I am wealthy. I am wise. I am mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. I'm healthy. I'm thankful. I'm bold. I'm a leader. Amen, Amy. Sammy's on fire. I'm telling you, our kids will be blessed. That's it. Letty's Letty's girls also confess them daily before bed. That's right. We're raising up kids that are strong, smart, and set apart. We're teaching them. We don't put things above God. We put God above things. In fact, if you're watching, I want you to write that in the comments, YouTube, Periscope, and Facebook. I don't put things above God. I put God above things. Put that in the, put that in the comments. I don't put things above God. I put God above things, above all things. There's nothing I'm going to put above my God. He is high and lifted up. He is the highest thing that there is. <laughs> I don't put things above God. I put God above things. Always. Always. Thank you, Jesus. I will never lightly esteem the things of God. Ever. You'll never find me lightly esteeming the things of God. What a foolish thing to do. What a foolish thing to do. To lightly esteem the things of God. 
Finally, I want you to go with me to the book of Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs. Book of Ecclesiastes. That's right. Put it in the comments. I don't put things above God. I put God above all things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We put him above all things. Now, number three, the third subtle trap, subtle trap that people fall into is this, especially in times of trouble. People do this in times of trouble. They'll start making promises to God, especially in crisis times. They'll start making promises to God. Lord, if you'll get me out of this, I'll do this, this, and this. Lord, if you'll just help me now, I'll never do this again. Lord, if you'll bless this, then I'll never, I'll promise you for the rest of my life, I'll bub. And people start making promises to God. Be careful about the promises you make to God. Be careful about the vows that you make to your father. Make sure. That's right. That's a great quote, Rob. Robert, my friend Robert Conover said, things make great hobbies, but terrible gods. That's exactly true. Things make great hobbies. They make terrible gods. Be careful the promises you make to God. Number three is not making promises to God. It's keeping your promises to God. Nothing wrong with making a vow unto God. We need to, we should and could, and, 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 and you know, it's not wrong to make vows unto God. But the key is keeping your vows unto God. Keeping your vows unto God. Listen to this. Ecclesiastes chapter five. Yeah, look at, I'll read that first because AJ popped in Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay fulfilling it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you and you'll be guilty of sin. It's Deuteronomy 23, 21. Listen to what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 5, 4 and 5. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. It's better that you should not vow at all than to vow and not pay. Why? The Bible says God has no pleasure in fools. It becomes a sin when you promise God something, but then you don't carry out your promise. It's a sin when you promise God something and don't carry out your promise. How does this happen? People get into problems. They get into crisis times, you know, whatever, if it's personally, if it's corporate through the nation, in their state, whatever. And when they get into a time of issue where they're really believing for something, then they'll start saying things like that. Lord, if you'll just get me out of this mess, Lord, if you'll just, if you'll just do this, if you'll just, I'll promise I'll never do this again. I'll serve you with my whole heart. I'll, if you'll just don't let me die from this. You know, people do things that are crazy and then they start calling on God for help. People are on the verge of an overdose. You know, there's one, I'll tell you a good, on a positive note, I'll give you one on a positive note. There was this guy. Excuse me. I was in a, we were in a tent meeting in Nash, uh, I believe it was Nashville, Tennessee, with Brother Shambach, and a guy came in with with a Manila envelope under the tent <clears throat> to give his testimony, and he gets up, and uh, Brother Shambach says, "Tell him your testimony." Well, this big old guy, big guy, he gets up and says, "Now listen, I was a part of a gang." He starts talking about gang life. He's talking about killing people and everything else. <clears throat> and he, he was ready to get out of the gang, but he didn't even know that the gang that he was in 
had a plan to kill him, to assassinate him. <clears throat> so they take him. They, t- they take this dude to like an alleyway. Like they're going on, a, uh, like they're going on some kind of a run to do something all together, but he doesn't know they're just taking him out to kill him. So they go into this alleyway, and uh, once they get into the alley, he's confused about what they're doing. He turns around, and his buddy has got his gun pulled out, cocked, pointed at him, you know, f- you know, feet away from him, and he's like, "What in the world is going?" on? And before he can figure out what's going on, he st- the guy starts f- firing the whole clip at him and shot him in the head. Now, this guy was shot like nine times. And that's what was in the manila envelope, his x-rays. The guy was shot like nine times in the head, in the head. And uh, he's on the ground bleeding out, literally should be dead. He's on the ground bleeding out. The guy stopped with, you know, looked at him. This was his testimony. He said, my, my buddy that, that was in the gang that, that was uh, killing me, he said he, he emptied his whole clip into my body and I wasn't dead. And it so scared him that he just ran. He just took off. He said, I wasn't dead. I was laying there alive and he couldn't understand how I was alive. And with the clip empty, he ran. So he's laying in an alleyway, bleeding out bullets in the head. And he begins to pray and says, God, if you'll get me out of this, if you'll save me from this, then I will serve you for the rest of my life. That's what he starts to pray. Lord, if you will get me out of this, if you'll save me from this, I will serve you. What's he doing? Making a vow unto God. If you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you for the rest of my life. Gets up off the ground, stumbles over to like a 7-Eleven where there's a payphone in the parking lot. Pulls the phone off, calls 911 for himself. Dude calls 911 for himself with bullets in his head. They come take him to the hospital and uh, look at him, do an x-ray, and basically tell him, you've got like eight or nine bullets that are broken apart like fragments in your brain, in your head, and you should be dead. We can't understand why you're not dead and how you're still alive. And they, and then they told him this, they're like, there, there's no way that we can operate on you because if we go in there and start hacking around in your brain, trying to pull all these fragments out, we'll kill you. It, it, you know, it'll either make you a vegetable or we, we ourselves will kill you in surgery. So he said, we, we can't understand how you're alive, but we can't operate on you. And so he carries around the x-rays of his own head. You know, has to has to let anyone know if he flies or goes through security. I have metal in my head. I have bullets in my head. Has to go around and basically carries the manila envelope, pulls out the x-rays and shows everybody, I'm a man that should be dead, but Jesus kept me alive because I promised him that if he would keep me alive, then I would serve him and, and not only serve him, I would preach the gospel for the rest of my life and became a preacher from gangster to preacher made a vow to God and kept his vow to God. That was one of the most amazing testimonies I'd ever seen. I remember I was a teenager or maybe I was maybe like 12 years old or 11. We're almost a teenager when we were in that revival service with Brother Shambach. And I remember that dude giving that and looking at those x-rays and thinking, my Lord, that is a miracle to see a man preaching the gospel with nine bullets in his brain that should be dead, but he made a vow to God and said, if you'll save me from this issue, I will preach the gospel for the rest of my life. Traveled for the rest of his life preaching the gospel. He's still alive. He's not dead. 
that I know of, because he was young at the time. <clears throat> powerful, powerful testimony. And uh, blew my mind. Blew my mind to see that. That's a vow to God that was paid. He said, if you'll do this, I will serve you. I will serve you. And he was paying his vow. But the dangerous part is this. People get into uh, times of, of crisis, times, issues where they're pressed and they're just crying out in desperation for help from God and they start making vows and don't pay their vows. The Bible says it's better that you don't vow at all than vowing and not paying. If you tell God, listen to me, if you tell God you're going to do something, you've got to do it. As AJ put that uh, scripture up from Deuteronomy 20, if you vow to God, what was that reference? Deuteronomy 23. If you vow to God, you have got to pay. Deuteronomy 23, 21. You've got to pay your vows. Otherwise, the Bible says it becomes sin. And there's times where many people need a miracle and they begin to promise God all these things. But here's the thing. Take very seriously what you say to God. Take very seriously what you promise to God. Because if you take it, make it a flippant thing, the Bible says it becomes sin unto you and it's better that you never vowed in the first place. These things are subtle. It seems like that, that you know you could easily slip right into them. And the problem is people do slip right into them. And I'm telling you, because in the time and the day and age we're living in, you've got to be serious about how you serve the Lord. You've got to be serious about what's going on in your life during this time in our nation and this time in our world. Christ is coming and people aren't ready. And they don't need to see believers that don't take their belief seriously. They need to see people that actually do what they say and live what they believe and not aren't flipping about the way they live for the Lord. <clears throat> you know, it's important that people who aren't even serving the Lord see Christians who take their Christianity seriously. What a slap in the face it is to Christ for unbelievers to see Christians, quote unquote Christians, that say they believe in God, that say that they uh, are saved on, on their way to heaven, but then live their lives the exact same way that people who don't have a savior live. I refuse to be that person. I refuse to be the person that says I believe in Jesus, says I follow after God, but then my life looks like anybody else that is an atheist. I refuse. I refuse to let that be my story. And so that's the key. And one of the things I want to pray for those of you that are watching today is that I'm looking for a righteous indignation. Because many times that's the only thing that kicks people into overdrive to actually do what they should be doing. You know, there's a reason why things like uh, Christianity flourish in persecution is because it makes people who are serious about it get serious about it. And that's the key. If you, if you go to a place where there's no resistance, no restriction, then let me tell you, people start to float off into la-la land as a Christian. And it's happened to many people. People are more worried about, you know, finding angel feathers and gold dust while they sing songs in their bare feet than they are about actually serving God and preaching the gospel and being serious about it. And the key is it's time to get serious. I want you to write that in the comments. It's time to get serious. It is time to get serious in Jesus name. It's time to get serious. So the prayer I'm praying for you today is that a fire, I'm talking about an actual fire of the Holy Ghost, a boldness would jump in your spirit, 
I'm talking about a righteous indignation. Thank you, Tim, for sowing a seed. A righteous indignation would jump into your spirit about what's going on and that you would stand up and stand loud and firm about what you believe. And don't be thrown off by a spirit of antichrist. Do not be thrown off. It's time to get serious. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person on this broadcast, those that are listening later on the on the podcast, I pray from today that a fire of the Holy Ghost would get into your people's spirit. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that a righteous indignation, that you will not take my freedom, my religious liberty. I'm standing for the things of God and I will see the goodness of God in my life in Jesus' name. I'll see it in my generation. My generation will be saved in Jesus' name and will not be pushed into a corner will not be silenced, but we will stand up and be counted for the things of God in Jesus' mighty name. So Lord, set us on fire. Let us burn so brightly that it can be seen all over the nation that there is a remnant of people that are not going to lay down and take whatever comes down the road. We will stand up and take what is ours by the fire of the Holy Ghost for faith is a fight, not a feeling. We will fight the good fight of faith and lay hold on eternal life in the mighty name of Jesus. And we thank you. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody shout aloud, amen. Throw it in the comments. Put some hands up and declare it is done. It is done in Jesus' mighty name. It is done. Hallelujah. It is done. Listen, it's what is it? March 31st. It's March 31st. Let me encourage you. On this final day of the month, as we're getting ready to cross over into a new month, take this moment to sow a seed as we're getting ready to cross over into a new month and a new quarter of the year. Set it up. Say, God, I'm stepping into this new quarter in, a, in blessing and overflow and increase in Jesus' name. The second quarter of our year is going to be greater than anything we saw in the first quarter of our year in Jesus' name. You know why? This is our year of violent increase and expedited favor in Jesus' name. It's our year of violent increase and expedited favor in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so take this final day of March, this final day of this first quarter of the year, and sow a seed by faith and declare, I will be set up supernaturally to be blessed in this second quarter of the year. One of the things that we prayed before this year ever began was, Lord, before June 30th comes to an end, I thank you that every goal we've set for the year, everything that we've set uh, as, as um, you know, our, our vision will be met by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Brandon. Love you. That will be set up and be done by the time June 30th hits. I believe God can move that swiftly, that quickly in your life, that what we used to believe God to do in a full year, he can do in six months for us. And literally, maybe you're believing starting right now, he can do it in three months. God doesn't need 12 months to do for you what he can do in three, what he can do in one. And so set yourself in position. Get ready for the blessing of God that's coming upon your life in this second quarter of the year. How do you do it? Well, if those of you that are sowing, you saw other people that have already sown seeds today via hashtag donate in the comments section. You can actually type hashtag symbol and the word donate 
and the amount you'd like to sow right in the comments if you've never done it before and sow a seed that way if you're on Twitter, Periscope, or Facebook. If you're on YouTube, you can't do that. But if you're on YouTube, you can always use Cash App, PayPal, Venmo, or everybody can go to miracleword.com and click on the Give button. And one of the things we've been asking you to do, because my prayer has been this, Carolyn and I are standing in faith and believing that people will stand with us. We've asked God the literal prayer we've prayed. Lord, I pray that you would attach to us a thousand people that monthly would stand with us at $85 or more to, to see the gospel preached, to actually see a nation changed, to see a generation shaken by the power of God. And I want you to pray and ask the Lord, are you to be one of those people that is to stand with us. Maybe you're not one, but if you are, take a step of faith today. We have people that are standing with us, $85 a month, some, 100, 200. We have some people that are doing $300 a month. We have people that are sewing at $500 a month. Whatever you feel to do, whatever you feel to do, do it by faith. Thank you, Karen, for sowing a seed. Now you can click that link in the comment section, uh, Karen, and you can finish your seed in, in that website there. That's how it works. You set it up one time and then it's good to go from there on out. And so I want to say a big thank you to those that have stood with us because it means a lot to me. You are an answer to my prayer. You are an answer to my prayer. And it means a lot that you stand faithfully. And I know you're not just sowing seed. I know you're praying for us. And we appreciate every person that prays for myself and prays for Carolyn and our family. We're giving everything, giving our lives for the cause of Christ. That's what this is. This is not a hobby for me. I don't go work some full-time job and come to, come home and do this as a hobby. This is my whole life. This is what we do as a family. And I'm blessed. And let me tell you why. I have an anointed wife who is homeschooling two of our three children so that we can stay together even when we travel on the road. And so my whole family, you know what's interesting? Since my kids were all about the age of about two weeks old, have traveled with us full time. It's all they know. And so our family goes together on the road to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love that. No sad stories here. You'll not hear one hard, sad story from this preacher. You're not going to ever hear me get on and say, you know, I need y'all to help me for my family. You'll never hear me. You'll never hear me bad-mouthing the goodness of God. You'll never tell, hear me telling you how hard it is. It's not hard to serve the Lord. It's an easy thing to serve the Lord. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're blessed to do this. We don't have to do it. We get to do it. We're called to do it. And it's been a blessing to have my family with me everywhere. My kids have grown up in Pentecostal Holy Ghost services. And I thank God for that ability to take them where we go. And this is a family. And my daughter's are now so on fire. It's so interesting to me that she was the one that came to my wife, Madeline, and said, you know, dad preaches and you do, you preach and teach and do nonstop mom. She said, what can we do as kids? This is what my, my daughter Madeline asked. She said, what can we do as kids? You guys preach, what can we do? And that's where we, out of their hunger to reach out to children, we launched Miracle Word Kids in November. And it has taken off around the world. There's hundreds of kids from around the world that are a part of this now. We have kids that are sending stuff. Have you seen anything me or my wife have posted? Kids jumping in the, on the Bible reading challenge from uh, Taiwan and South Africa. And we got kids from the UK. We've got kids from Italy. We've got kids from Canada, kids from Jamaica. We got kids from everywhere 
all over the United States that are jumping in and becoming a part of Miracle Word Kids. And what are we doing? Raising children up in the faith, raising children up to love the Lord and to believe God's word and to live by God's word. And by the way, for your kids, one of the things we've got ready to go for Easter is uh, we did the kids Miracle Word Easter boxes. And so each box has a Miracle Word Kids t-shirt in it, long sleeve t-shirt. There's two to choose from. We packed it with candy. We've got the Easter story. We've got a moleskin style uh, journal, hardback, the red one you see back there with our, our slogan on it, strong, smart, set apart. We've got the slap bracelet and the Miracle Word Kids tumbler cup, screw on lid. Uh, even the box is customized for your kids with the confession and everything. These are only $40. They're available in the store right now. If you go to shop.miracleword.com, grab some for your kids for Easter, or if it's your grandchildren, hook them up and bless them. They'll love it. And so we're doing everything that we can to build the faith of your children. And then every single month we do something uh, to continue to build their faith and build their knowledge of the word. In March, uh, our Bible reading mission was we went through the book of Proverbs in the month of March, 31 days, 31 Proverbs. And so uh, tomorrow we will be launching and announcing what the kids will be doing for the month of April. And we'll have something brand new for April that starts tomorrow. So keep your ear to the ground. And um, we make all these resources available for free. So if you want to check it out, go to MiracleWordKids.com and check out everything we have available for your children. And then let me say I'm so excited about this. Further Faster has been completed and it's on its way to the printer. If you heard me give this announcement, we're shipping it in the month of April. It's coming to your house. We're going to be shipping it out. And uh, I'm so pumped about this book. I'm so thankful it's done and ready to go out the door. This is going to be a massive blessing to you, understanding how to accelerate your purpose through the force of impartation. There's too little teaching going on on impartation. Somewhere, in some places, there's no teaching on it. Some people don't even believe it exists. But this book will help you to understand the power of impartation and how God uses it to take you further, faster. My great friend, Pastor Joel Stockstill, wrote the foreword to this book for me. It's going to bless you. I can't wait to get it into your hands. It's going to be a massive blessing. If you'd like to pre-order your copy, go to shop.miracleword.com and uh, you'll love it. Brandon, the boxes will be to you in time for Easter. Yeah, is that what you're asking? The Easter boxes? They will be to... Uh, people in time for Easter. Yeah. And so, uh, man, I'm ready to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. Not that we only celebrate it one day a year, but I love, I love resurrection Sunday, the resurrection. Do you realize this? I'll tell you this before I I let you go today. The resurrection of Christ, literally, if we, if that's the only thing we had, if we didn't have the Bible, if we didn't have anything else, just the resurrection of Jesus is enough for us to make it to heaven. Paul taught that in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then my preaching and your faith is in vain. You should thank God every day that Jesus is alive and he is alive. Hallelujah. He is alive. And uh, I'm excited. Tonight, I'm going to be back again. Spirit of Faith sessions. I don't remember. I think this is like session 13 or something. But we'll be back tonight, 7 p.m., Spirit of Faith Sessions right here, Facebook, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter. 
Don't miss it. Last night was powerful. Tonight's going to be powerful. We're building your faith every single night. And that's what the Lord spoke to me to do. And I'm going to keep doing it until I feel the release from doing it. And so don't miss it tonight. I love you guys. Let me say a big thank you to every person that uh, has been joining me every single day and hanging out with me and, and at night. We love you guys. And those that are sewing, thank you for sewing. We appreciate you guys so much. We love you so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you again tonight. Let's see, how should we log off the broadcast today? One of the things that I love, where is it at? That song by my friend, I'm just trying to find it. There it is. That song by my friend, Jeremiah Yoakam, Funeral Plans. Enjoy it as we leave. The, the haters will never get to me. They'll never get to me. I love you guys. When I die, let me die speaking in tongues. I'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. Be blessed. Between the pages of an old family Bible, I found dates of births, deaths, and no revivals. Then I came up on a page. It was written by people hand. It said, this is my last request, and these are my funeral plans.
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.